Hi there, my name is Peter Vox and welcome to an interview session with the one and only Darren Constable. Now, Darren was a contestant on this year's Voice 2021 on Keith Urban. Welcome, Darren. How are you doing today, mate? I'm great. Thank you, Peter. Nice to have you along, mate. Thank you very much for dropping by. So without any further ado, let's get stuck into uh, this Q&A session here. We're going to be giving away as well too. Uh, today, one lesson with Vox Academy and also a career guidance itself as well too. So we've got the winner of contestants here today uh, as well. So we're going to announce those one question session. They can see a dog, not that happy about being locked outside. He's actually happy being out there. He's, he's barking at the, at the sky, I think. It's a sunny day. That's what he does. Sun is shining. He's letting the world know. <laughs> All right, mate. Now, um, as we all know, uh, you were on The Voice 2021 on Team Keith Urban. Uh, before we go in and discuss your personal experience on The Voice, please give the viewers a short rundown on your artistic self and where and when it all began and what brought you to right this, this very point in your artistic career. Well, that's, that's a big one to put into a small nutshell. So I started singing at around the age of 14. I started, um, you know, I'd done performances and stuff at school as in uh, primary school and that kind of thing. And um, I, I always loved rock and roll and I discovered Kiss when I was about nine years old. And... Um, that was probably my first uh, big rock and roll band that I just adored. Um, so by the time I was 14, I, I wanted to uh, try and become something like that, a rock and roll musician. Um, so I picked up a guitar and I met some friends at school and um, we would have sleepovers and record exchanges and record sessions at home on the weekends and slowly that became better and better and for some reason I don't know how it happened I just ended up being the singer I guess my mates perceived me that way of some somehow and it just sort of happened and uh, um, at the time I was learning guitar and also harmonica and it just continued and by the time I was 1920 in 1988, I was out on the music scene in Adelaide playing around clubs and bars and that kind of thing. And I joined a band at the time. I auditioned for a band. A singing teacher of mine actually said, there's this band looking for a singer. And uh, it was a three-piece rock band, guitar, drums and bass. The guitarist was the singer. He was having trouble um, keeping his voice healthy, singing every night. So they auditioned me. And I got the gig, and that band was called the Iceman. And I, uh, I was probably about six, seven, eight, the members years younger than these guys, and they were sort of established and, um, you know, a bit more pro level than me. And and I sort of jumped into this band, which was great because I was then bang, I was working, and um, I had these sort of older mentors above me, and met a lot of the people on the scene through them and and that really kicked things off uh 
the later there that yeah original band or a cover band <clears throat> this was a cover band yeah called the Iceman, and it was a lot of uh 70s and 80s kind of rock covers at the time yeah um and you were gigging around adelaide around adelaide and and the country areas of south australia yeah um yeah and that was it basically with that band uh now the, the guitarist school teacher music teacher and he went off to do his country service with his wife around 1991 and so at that time i formed a, a, a i decided what i'm going to do now i i formed a guns and roses cover band called appetite for destruction and um we started late 91 with that and that went off um you know anywhere between 300 and 600 sort of capacity crowds at shows and uh yeah sorry three, a guns and roses cover band was it guns and roses yeah it was called appetite for destruction yeah and that band uh really gave me legs to travel nationally we played all the national the capital cities around australia and um toured our state you know into the country areas and everything like that um so that was a load of fun. That band continued until 1995. And uh, I was also doing a, a stripped back acoustic band at the time called Unwired, which uh, was like two guitar players and a drummer, no bass. And basically the drummer would adapt a sort of more percussion style to go with that acoustic format. And it proved really good. And we ended up getting, opening supports for uh, Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs and uh, uh, the Angels and even Chocolate Starfish at the time. They were big in the 90s and uh, we, we opened for those guys. And that was another other band as well. That Sorry. once again was a cover band, yeah. It did, we did play some originals in there. There was probably, <clears throat> was probably about five original songs that we did perform yeah. um, amongst covers and a lot of the covers were, the original concept was to play Led Zeppelin and Guns N' Roses music, stripped back acoustic. Yep. And, and it was, we sort of changed them slightly, some more than others, to accommodate that format. And it just, it, it proved really successful. Uh, it was really well received. And as I said, you know, hence getting those opening support slots for those bigger bands on large stages with this little sort of project concept project that we we created and uh so that was that was a great a band and a lot of fun and yet the other thing about unwired because it was an acoustic thing it was so easy to chuck it on the road because we really didn't have a lot of equipment to worry about uh small pa and acoustic guitars and a little tiny drum kit so it was it was a good little band uh to be able to uh tour with yeah. Um, after that, I came to Melbourne in the 90s and I worked with a guy called Jed Starr, a guitar player who'd been in bands like Killing Time and um, Star World, his own project, and then I uh, worked with John Stevens. And um, I always loved his style, uh, great guitarist, and I came over to work with him in an original project called Ook, O-O-K. Also uh, in Nick Barker's band as well. Yes, Nick Barker, exactly. And we, we, uh, 
I basically came into that and they were already working at the time. I replaced, I actually replaced a guitarist, believe it or not, I wasn't a singer. I replaced the rhythm guitarist and was singing backing vocals. And that, I guess that's the reason they did want, there's a lot of harmonies in this band and they wanted a strong singer to be able to cut really good, strong backing vocals. Um, so I was with those guys for about a year and a half and Jed, uh, Jed ended up leaving the band. And I think that was the essence of the band because he was very much a, uh, carried a lot of weight with the songwriting. And when he left, I thought, well, I'll lapse that then. Uh, <laughs> and, but with that band, I was thrown straight into the Melbourne scene. I was playing all the top places, you know, the Espy Front Bar and the Punters Club and um, a public bar and uh, the, the, the Avalon, uh, all of those great old venues, you know. And um, so it was really cool because I'd sort of just walked into it and there we were running. And the band had it was a very respected uh, band at the time. Uh, Meg Herbert was the singer, female singer, Meg Herbert, her name was and is. And, uh, yeah, it was really good music. Um, and it was a learning curve for me because it was the first full-on original project that I'd been involved with. We're recording in the studio. We're playing. I was working a day job. I tell you, I was burning the candle at both ends at that time. I was, you know, always trying to find, you know, half an hour to get a quick sleep in. You know, it just... It was insane. Um, when, that, when, when that disbanded, I decided to go back to Adelaide and uh, that's when I started Wormwood, my original band. And we wrote for a couple of years um, from 96, uh, 96 to 98. And it was a three-piece band. It was actually the guitarist from the Guns N' Roses band who decided to play bass. Uh, we played around Adelaide and recorded a lot of live basement sort of tapes on, on, on a four track machine, that kind of thing. Very simple. Um, we recently did a, a reformation after 20 years for the uh, music festival festival in Semaphore, Adelaide, uh, did three shows and that was a blast. We do do and did and do have a plan to get in the studio and record those songs properly. So for keepsake, um, but that hasn't yet happened. So that was in the 90s when that was happening. And then in 98, I got a call from a drummer friend of mine who'd been touring internationally and said, uh, are you interested in joining a band to go and do a contract in Dubai at the Hard Rock Cafe? And I'm like, where? Dubai, where's that? You know, 98, right? And uh, he, he explained, I'm like, okay, the Middle East, wow, okay. Um, and off we went. I said, yes, let's do this. You know, it was a five piece band and off we went. And that was a three month contract. And from that contract, we went on to, we actually got a gig in Kazakhstan, believe it or not. There was the food and beverage manager at the Hard Rock Cafe. And he said, I need a band for New Year's Eve. Can you come to Kazakhstan? Oh, another one. Where's that? <laughs> you know, so uh, we did this gig in Kazakhstan. It was pretty, pretty amazing coming from the desert of Dubai and going to Kazakhstan at Christmas time with, you know, knee-deep snow and minus 13 degrees. Uh, so, yeah, we came, we came back after that and I continued with that. I went to China. I went to Morocco. I went back to Dubai over and over and over and I clocked up 15 years of working internationally. Uh, yes. on that circuit. 
Darren, just one question with that. With When you were contracted in Dubai for the Hard Rock Cafe, how many times a week were you doing? Uh, initially, it's a six-night-a-week kind of thing. Okay. And so you're contracted, we were contracted to one venue, whether it be a Hard Rock Cafe or a hotel um, or a club, and it's usually, for most bands doing that circuit, it'll be a six-night-a-week thing with one day off. So it's pretty full-on because you get that one day off and when you're working nights and it's quite tiring being a frontman singer, by the time you wake up and get into your day, the sun's going down and the day's over and it's time to go back to work, you know. It's Darren, quite gruelling. Just with that, were you doing three 45-minute sets? Yes. Yeah. Um, with, with just uh, quickly just go on that and just go off the, to the side a little bit. What were you doing to keep your voice during those those, those grueling three six days a week is, is, is well yeah initially um, it was it was new to me to go into such a heavy workload and uh, sorry about my puppy out there barking at the sky you can hear him but he's having fun um, initially I wasn't used to such a grueling sort of schedule so. Uh, I wouldn't have cold beer after the gig. I wouldn't have cold beverages during the gig. Um, I would try and drink a lot of water. That's water is is for a singer is just a lifesaver. Keep uh, hydrated when you're on stage and before the gig. Make sure you're hydrated if you can have hydrating sort of um, you know drinks, uh, sports type drinks. Get them in so you're ready for it and, and make sure you have a good diet and plenty of sleep. Singers, we've got to sleep. When, you, when you're doing those kinds of gigs, I found myself sleeping for nine hours at least and, and just um, doing basic warm-ups before the show sometimes as well. You know? But not all the time because often we tailor the set start off quite mellow yeah and work our way into that set and and so it was almost like the show warmed me up i warmed up with the show we tailored it that way and that's the the best way to do it i think with gigs like that you know you can't come out firing because you've got four sets to do um and and of course those those high energy songs will be in there but you know you work into that and uh yeah Darren, did you were you doing any scales like before the contract? Were you breaking your voice in to do these long gigs, um, and would you do any scales before the show to warm up or anything like that with your voice? Or, or what did you do? Would you were you doing any warm ups before the show? Yeah, yeah. If I was feeling really healthy and good and my voice was fine, I would I wouldn't do a lot of warming up. I'd do some basic breathing exercises and some sort of diaphragm, you know, <laughs> you know, diaphragm sort of bouncy stuff and breathy stuff and just falsetto-y stuff, very, very delicate um, and, you know, stretching delicate sort of exercise of the falsetto and, oh, and just getting that soft palate stretched and yeah. opening up and, and just stretching the jaw and, and loosening up the top part of my body around my around my lungs and bracing area just to, to take away tension because sometimes I've I've always found um, I like to limber up a bit I find that limbering up and stretching is is 
is very important for singing as well because you can get on stage and you can tense up straight yeah. away. And then you tense up, your voice tenses up, oh, it's downhill from there, you know. So, uh, yeah, just stretching yoga and that kind of stuff is really good. Um, and do a bit of that during the day and keep yourself limbered up and, as well as all the other things I just mentioned. A lot of bands do that as well too. You'll see a lot of bands doing that Van Halen and, and the such and, and Metallica. They'll always be sort of stretching before the show, right before they go on. Mm. Darren, just reiterate, were you, before you got the contract, were you breaking your voice in? Were you rehearsing, uh, singing a lot before? The band, yeah, the band that was due to go on the road was rehearsing um, the show. And because that band was initially, as you know, mentioned a, I got a call and that entire band was put together for that contract. So we started rehearsing the typical sort of international set list with some Australian favourites in there as well. And that was just the beginning to start the contract. And that continues when you're when you're doing international contracts, you're learning two or three songs a week or four um, yep. and keeping that turnover because you're you're in one venue and you've got many of the patrons uh, will frequent that venue, so you've got to really keep that turnover. But um, so we're rehearsing the show. Um, I would do basic uh, vocal warm-ups and and get back into a bit more training of of vocal exercises. I I took some classical lessons uh, during the during the nineties, early nineties, and. Uh, I would go back to a lot of that and start really starting to strengthen my voice and get ready for this. But because it was the first time I've ever done anything like that, I don't think anything sort of could have, could have really prepared me. It yeah. was one of those things I've got to get in there and just go for it, you know, run with it. Yeah. And, you know, I found that my voice got tired. I got hoarse. Um, and, and the other problem is when you're doing international contracts, it's going to happen. You're going to get sick. You're going to get a cold. You, you know, you're going to get crook. But the show must go on. Yeah. So it was really, it was real, a real learning curve, learning how to deal with that and be able to still get up on stage. Uh, with international bands like that, it's always smart to have. Sorry, Matt. What's you your know, two or three singers? You know. What's your one tip to about recovery as well? So what would you do? Uh, sleep once again. Yep. Lots of warm drinks and herbal teas and yeah. lemon and honey and, uh, you know, those good old-fashioned grandma uh, remedies yeah. of lemon and honey drinks and warm beverages and um, just lots of sleep and, and try and rest. All right. And uh, then, you know, actually one thing I did like if we were privileged enough to have that was a, a good sauna or a steam room if we were in a hotel get in there and sweat out a bit yep. uh, and yeah I always like that is a good way to sort of refresh and get ready for the night is, is a sauna or a steam room. Good. Yeah. Darren we'll keep things going here um, now your biggest uh, inspiration as a singer who, who was that or what band was that? Uh, well as I said I, I guess it all started with Kiss. Kiss yeah that was my initial sort of I was, I was, you know, uh, one of those KISS fans. People don't really understand that we were fanatical KISS fans and uh, we'd have posters all over our bedroom walls and 
we'd we'd be mad about not just the music but the whole character of, of characters of Kiss, and um, we'd know them all by name, and and we we were into the the, the paraphernalia. We were into the the Kiss bubblegum cards and the and the Kiss ice creams and and uh, the Kiss makeup kits that you could buy, and it was just it was insane. Was and the dolls? Did you have the dolls? I had the dolls. I had it all. I loved it. And and I still do. I mean, I've got all my old Kiss vinyl up there, and you know, when when you put some of that old music on, it'll take you back to that feeling of when you were a kid and a Kiss fan. And there's just, there, there's certain magic that's really hard to explain unless you were there and you were part of it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Favorite your favorite singer? Who's your favorite singer? My favorite singer. Well, initially I did like Paul Stanley, but I think. The, the, the singer that really um, opened my eyes was Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin when I first heard him, yeah. uh, you know, doing Black Dog or something like that. You know, someone someone put on Led Zeppelin 4 and it comes on with a ding, 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 hey, hey, mama. And it started off, and I'm like, what is this? Whoa. Great so album. I was, I was sold, you know. Who's this guy? I need to I need to learn how to sing like that. Yeah, what a, what an amazing what an amazing album. But all their albums from the start of that were amazing as well too. Just absolutely, just, just yeah, fantastic. And I, what I loved about them was their diversity as well. They went into so many different styles of music, and yeah. uh, it was like a, 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 a they're always exploring. Yeah, 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 oh, fantastic. Um, Darren, your favourite part about the music industry and or singing? Uh, I think that meeting uh, other musicians who are also just as enthusiastic about it as you are, that family that comes with being a musician. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's fantastic. Getting up on stage is always, this is what we we started why we started doing this in the first place. We love getting up and performing. Yeah, we love getting. We love being able to put on a great performance and get a good reaction. Yeah. Uh, then the other thing that I wanted from music, and it gave me was was to be able to travel. Yeah, and traveling music taking me to different lands as it has done. Uh, places I probably would never have gone to if it weren't for music. Yeah, exactly. Particularly. And I've met so many people, yeah, and I've met so many people along the way. I've made so many friends, friends all over the place, all over the world, you know, that I would not have met if it wasn't for music. Yeah, fantastic. And all of these things are just, it's just amazing. Yeah. Very, very true. We're going to get into some, we're going to get into some questions now specifically to do with the voice, okay? Sure. Yeah. We put out a little bit of a competition. Now we've got some winners. We had quite, a, we had a lot of um, questions that come in. We had a lot of people who were really wanting to know about Keith Urban and, and what it was like. And um, mm. it sounds like a lot of the, the questions that we had were thinking that like you were hanging out with Nicole and Keith in their house. <laughs> contracted and you can't say a lot. So we'll just let you say as what you need to say but we're going to go into the first competition winner here and the first competition winner was Su Suzanne R. Reedy 
And she had three three questions. Okay, so we're going to go into these three questions here. What uh, what has been your strategy for giving yourself an edge over the competition, or even did you have one? Uh, I guess I didn't really have a strategy. I was just trying to be myself. Yeah. And um, the voice team, the music team, initially. Uh, is is who you will come in contact if you're lucky enough to get to that point. Yeah. They will be the first part of the voice production team that you will start working with. And I gave them, you know, a hundred songs. Yeah. And they and and I, I initially sending in um, a, a demo, and then I get the audition. But I gave them so many songs. Now they they sort of ended up choosing the song that they liked the most from me. And then they also said, are you happy with this? Yeah. Do you like it? Are you happy? Is this what you want to get up on stage and sing? And yes, yes. So once it's very diplomatic and we're all in agreement. Um, and I guess uh, they, they were very keen on the harmonica thing. They saw that as an edge, funnily enough as well as my voice. Um, and they wanted to combine my style. They recognised that I had a, a bit of a country rock, southern rock sort of uh, flair, which which I agreed with. Um, I love that that music. So I guess that's how it slowly moulded together. And I saw that as my edge because that's me and I believe in it. You've got to run with your strengths. Yeah, so. yeah. okay. Daz, we're going to have to wrap things up. I've, I've actually got lessons at one, so sure. we'll have to get through this in the next 10 minutes. So we're going to have to make things um, pretty quick moving on here now. So now, um, Susan Reedy's second question. What was the biggest challenge you faced since uh, you've been on the TV show? The biggest challenge since being on? Yeah. Uh, so post-voice, is this what we're saying? I think so. What was the biggest challenge you've faced since you've been on the TV show? I guess maybe it was during during the TV show, that question. So uh, I guess the biggest challenge was the cut section. Because oh, yeah. we got we got given that song. Yeah. Really, you know, here's the song. Have a listen to it. Everyone got it on their devices. We all have our our smartphones and whatnot and our head and our earbuds and and here it is it comes through and and uh, it got broken down into little groups and and my five people were like oh my god everyone's freaking out and yeah. they're like wow I've, I've got to do this like in in an hour and um you know it's 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 intense you don't really get to so that was a massive thing for me because i couldn't really go off and have my own little space or room to practice that song it was something that you had to sort of try and get your head around amongst everyone else being there um so that was that was pretty intense you know, that's something just to reiterate that we're talking about the cut so um what happened here is down through the blind son um he sung son and then and then you're in chosen by keeper and then you had to sing nothing it's like a heart uh, by Mike Ford. So they just basically gave you the song and then they said, I want you to do your rendition of the song. You did an acoustic song, acoustic version of the song. So mm. that's, you had an hour to 
Darren? Basically, yeah. I had I had my acoustic guitar with me, so that was great. I was just using that to sort of help pass time back backstage and back uh, behind the scenes. Um, so I thought, okay, it's a sort of a country song, so I'll try and give it a bit of a my edge, and I, I tried to design a bit of a... Uh, what would you say a uh, Johnny Cash meets uh, Roy Orbison sort yeah. of approach to this song with a lot of vibrato and uh... now Darren, sorry, yes. just, just yeah. I I I seen a bit on TV. Now, um, did you you got a little bit lost there? Did you forget the chord structure? What happened with that that part there? Can you just reiterate a little? Yeah, bit? because they didn't actually show it, did they? Uh, what happened? was I had the lyrics, um, they, they emailed the, through the, the track and it came to the lyrics. It was a, a, a one minute version, you know, basically a, a couple of verses and a chorus. Uh, and I got the lyrics, everyone got their lyrics printed for them, um, but it was really small. And I put it on the music stand, which was there, and Keith was there, right there, you know. <laughs> And I've got the lyrics, and I, I sort of looked up at Keith to see how he was receiving. And I, and I looked back at the lyrics, and it was just like black. <laughs> and I went, oh, no. I couldn't. I, it just, I just went, well, okay. I, I sort of went blah, 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 you know, love, 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 whatever. I sang some, some words and just, and I picked it up again. It was a little stumble, but I picked it up again and I finished the song. I didn't stop the song, um, but it was definitely, it was just that, the, the situation itself was so intense. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I wanted to know what happened with that, because I, I haven't asked you about that particular situation, because the, on the blinds, I just basically showed you singing and then said, I got lost, and then that was it. Then they moved. They moved on to the next contestant. So, very interesting part there. Um, the next question here: What was the most significant thing that you have learnt whilst working with Keith Urban, and how it has changed your perspective moving forward? Uh, well, it was very brief. You know, I got to the cut, and um, and that was that. But uh, initially, it was a, it was a meet and greet quickly after the blind performance, um, and then didn't see him again until the until the cut. Okay. So right. normally, you know, people that the voice fans would know that if you turn a chair, normally in the old the old series, you're going into the uh, the battle round, yep. and you will get one on one, you know, training with your with your coach, uh, but that didn't happen. This was almost like the cut was like, it's up to you to come up with something again quickly and yeah. give it some sort of essence and then bang, out comes Keith. Right, Darren, you're up. What do you got for us? So, <laughs> so, so that's, that's uh, Keith did, I would say he did tell a couple of stories and had a good chat with us when he came out and said how proud he was and why he chose us. Um, he thought that uh, we all had a, a very much an Australian essence about us too. And, you know, he, he kept saying that he, you know, being an American sort of resident nowadays for, for so many years, he's very passionate about Australia and he loves 
the whole the whole thing. He's Australian, so um, he was saying, just just reminds me of Australia. All you guys have so much Australianism in you, and da da da. And uh, he went on to tell a few stories about um, uh, being being nervous and um, trying to make us feel better before we did our, our cut performance. He told a story about himself losing his voice on the road. He was in the middle of a tour and he was brushing his teeth literally to go to the gig. And he's ready, you know, and suddenly he... Uh, he felt this sort of tickle in his throat and he went to say, uh, speak or warm up a bit in the hotel room and his voice had gone. And uh, the story went along and he ended up having to cancel the whole tour and reschedule, basically. Yeah, I'm not sure. It just vo his voice just went and literally at a time where the audience would have been walking into the, the venue, you know, uh, taking their seats. And so, wow. a pretty full-on story. He said, "Yeah, just I was so, so devastated, you know." And um, so, that was a cool story for him to share with us. Yeah. Uh, um, we'll keep we'll keep it going here. Um, so, Nathan Jack is the next contestant winner, and Nathan has has won a uh, has won your prize, which is huh? career session with you so Nathan yes. will be Nathan will be in contact with you and he again he has a, a, a two-part question as well too part one what is your usual vocal practice routine and two did your routine change when practicing in the voice especially given the quick time constraints to learn songs mm. Mm. Um, I think that with the experience I, I have and and going back to everything I've done in my international work and the stuff we've been through, um, my practice routine has developed a lot over the years and changed to really just recognising um, singing and recognising songs and recognising techniques and structure and all of those things. Uh, so in terms of vocal uh, training exercises and vocal uh, sort of uh, uh, strength exercises. I I took a lot of lessons in the early 90s, as I mentioned, a lot of classical style lessons for vocal strength to help me with the longevity of going on the road and singing night after night. It was more about the mechanics of singing rather than singing. It was yep. how to strengthen the voice and how to use the correct techniques. Yeah. Um, but still be myself. You know, I was still finding myself back then, and uh, nowadays it's it, it. My my vocal training is is like, as I said, I might do some small exercises, but I might pick up my acoustic guitar and just start singing a simple song. Yeah, you know, a nice little simple country song that is um, quite low and simple, Bob Dylan-y or something like that. Very simple song or a Neil Young type thing, and just warm up singing singing a song. So yeah, that's that's. Just on that point there, before you went and sung for On The Blinds, now, yeah. you just say that you did an amazing performance. It was it was fantastic. You just let it rip. It was a great song. 
showed you know your 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 middle to lower range and then just went up and had that high range and just really let it have it there mm. it was mm. actually you own the stage you had the guitar you moved around what did you do to warm up before that particular performance okay the voice the voice do have a, a warm-up coach yep i have several uh, vocal coaches Yep, and and uh, before you go on stage, you will get to spend some time with the, with a vocal coach in yep. the trailer. Yep, you'll go to the vocal coach trailer, and uh, and you'll get a bit of a warm up session. Yeah, and you might go through your song three times. Yep, and the vocal coach will give you some some hit, hints and tips, and uh, and then you'll um, you'll go back to the green room and await your call. You know, it's pretty. After that, you know, when you leave that vocal coach trailer, that's a pretty intense time because you know this is it. <laughs> but um, my vocal coach actually for before I went on stage was Gary Pinto. Oh, Gary Pinto. He was in was he in CBD? Yes. Yep. Lovely man and uh, really really inspiring too. So uh, they've got a great team and uh, they really they really do. Um, uh, what's I guess help help things along um, in terms of keeping your confidence up and and making sure you're ready to get on that stage. That's fantastic. That's it, it is. It is. Okay, let's. Um, I'll go to the next question here. Um, now, your journey on getting to the voice mm -hmm. a little bit unorthodox. Are you allowed about? Are you allowed to speak about that? And what was your? Uh, we just gone over preparation and nerves and singing up on stage just then. But what was your journey on getting to the voice? What What did you send files in? How What was your process, Darren? Uh, well, my wife. When we got back from Dubai in 2017, we were watching The Voice, and my my wife was, God, this is great. You know, you should do this. You could do this. I'm like, you serious? Really? You think so? And uh, I thought, yeah. And she actually submitted my initial application and grabbed some just uh, files, like video footage from Facebook, from YouTube, and stuff floating around everywhere. There was a version of me doing um, Ray Charles, I've Got a Woman. And it's sort of like, my own version, but it's sort of a bit like the Honey Drippers version as well with Robert Plant singing it. I don't know if anyone's heard that. There's a version out there from a band called the Honey Drippers, Robert Plant singing I Got a Woman, Jimmy Page on guitar and all of that's great. And so I sort of made my own version with a lot of inspiration from the Honey Drippers and uh, I was performing that in Dubai on acoustic guitar, the Stompbox and harmonica. This is what uh, one of the coaches or one of the, not the coach, it was a one of the members of the uh, voice music team saw and he contacted me. He said, oh, hey. Um, was, this, said, uh, sorry, Darren, was this in 2017, are you saying? No, this is this, when we initially saw it. But I, by the time I, my wife submitted my first uh, audition application and it was, so what are we now? We're 2021. The Voice 2021. So it would have been The Voice 2019 by then. And I, I uh, was like, mm, 
I was busy with trying to get reestablished again in Australia after being overseas for so long. And I didn't, I didn't follow up on it. So in 2020, they contacted me and said, look, we've got this, your audition from last year. Why didn't you come? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and they said, well, you've got to come because we love your voice. Wow. Oh, and all right, all right. Um, okay, okay, I'm going to do this. So I, I, I went to the audition. I got the audition in Adelaide. I went to the first audition and uh, met the people on the voice team, uh, music team, in the audition room. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a great day. And once I walked into that room and met those people, I realised I was doing the right thing. Like the people involved with the voice are really inspirational. They're really, really cool people. And it, and that just sort of, I walked out of that after they said, "Yep, you're through." And Darren, what did you do in the in the room? Did you sing songs? What were they doing? Uh, we talked for a bit. We had a chat. Um, they asked me a few questions about myself. I sang. I had an acoustic guitar once again, and I sang a bunch of songs. I had, uh, once I got the audition, I had a bunch of songs, a list that, I, that I'd submitted, and they actually randomly called a couple of them out from the list. So uh, that sort of kept me on my toes, and I, I would just sing a bit of that. I did have a couple of songs specifically prepared, but then they just threw a couple of randoms at me. Um, from the list? Yeah, you've got it. So you've got to be ready for that. You've got to be ready to uh, respond. So then you were, you, you got through, and then what? What happened after after that, Darren? After uh, well, then then it goes to the next the next process, and that is um, that is demoing and and working on what toward working toward because you that's it. You've got through the first audition. You haven't got the blinds yet. You're not there yet. Yeah, you've got a long process to get through. Yeah, and this is where the the sort of screening and testing starts happening, and you've got to start recording demos. That I'll ask for demos from your list. We want to hear you do this song, this song, this song. Send these three. Now send these two. Here's a song. Here's a song that we've chosen for you. Try that, that one and send it back. Darren, how did you record them? On your phone, face? Yeah, look, you can you can just do them on your phone, like use the voice memo application. Yep. Um, you can have a backing track, like a karaoke backing track, and just sing along with that on a voice memo. They they're not after anything too professional. Uh, they just want a basic demo, so uh, audio demo. So I was doing a lot of that. There was a lot of back and forth with demos. Yeah. And then there was a lot of... Uh, send through some photographs of, you know, they start going through all of that. And there's yeah. a, a lot of process of starting to collect and collect. Yeah. And you still don't know whether you've got the, the blind yet. Yeah. You, you, you're going through the motions. And it's, it's, it's a big thing. And you've got to be patient and you've got to work with them. And this takes, there's, there's a lot of months of preparation before yeah. you know that you were actually uh, accepted into uh, the bronze. And then what happened? Then what happened after after that? Uh, I I went to Melbourne to do what is called a key check. Yep. Uh, we had through all of the demoing process, my song had been chosen. 
which was fortunate some. I went to Melbourne and uh, there were other people there who were in at that same level doing the same thing. And what happens there, the music team is there once again and we uh, go into a room and we demo it. What's a key check? A key check is basically finding that that key, the original key of the song, if it may be, you may have already changed the key yourself to something that's more comfortable. Yeah. Um, but what they are doing, they are assuring that that key is perfect for your voice. Yeah. Yeah. So I sang Fortunate Son in the original key of yeah. G and they were happy with that. I was happy with that. Then they suggested this all happened there, the arrangement for the, the blind performance happens at the key, the key check. So all of the arrangements starts to how we're we going to do this. We've got 90 seconds to make our, our blind performance. How are we going to make this exciting? And that gets designed. Um, and so we did that together and we, with the whole voice music team and myself went through the design of the arrangement and uh, with the then hum. that gets recorded, it gets demoed, it gets sent back to you, and then you eventually you'll get a band version sent back that you can work with and, and get prepared, you know, for, for your uh, performance. Yeah, and practice at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent. Now, are you, are you, I just want to backtrack through that there. That was very informative. Thank you very much. That was, well, I think the, the viewers are really going to know that there's not just, you just don't roll up and it all happens. Are you allowed to elaborate on what happened in 2020? Because you actually were meant to be on The Voice in 2020, but it yeah. did Are you allowed to elaborate on that or not? Sure. Um, look, it happens every year. Uh, well, it didn't happen this year because they changed the rules, which, uh, which is kind of cool, but then with the cut, kind of not cool. But, <laughs> but um, what happened was I went through the entire process I got to the blinds. I was in Sydney. So this is in 2020. Was it this with is 2020? Was it? It was 19. Was it? 2020. 2020. Did you also sing for Sun in 2020? What happened? Yeah, yeah. It was Fortunate Sun. Yes, was going to be my song. And. Uh, I was there and it got, my, my performance was basically scheduled for the afternoon session of the last day. And uh, what happened was, um, basically, to, to cut the long story short, the, the teams got full. And this is to go and perform for the blinds, you're saying? Yes. Get yeah, I understand the, that. The, te the teams were full and then that was it. The teams are full. Done. And they came back and they said, oh, we're so sorry, Darren. <laughs> Please come back next year. Yeah. That's they, give you, they give everyone that doesn't get the opportunity to get on that stage back to the old rules. So I'm not sure how they'll do it next year either. You know, They did things differently this year, as everyone knows. But back then, and it was usually often a case there's going to be a few left over. But then they will say, they'll honour those people and say, look, we're so sorry. You've done all of this work. Please come back next year. Yeah. And that's your choice to do that or not. So I also heard as well, too, just for the viewers out there, that the format apparently is going to change again next year as well, too. But yeah. 
I don't know what's happening. I just heard that the producer said it's going to be something that's going to be, again, it's going to be a, a different twist on what happened this year. So, guys, be prepared for something slightly different. But you've got the preparation here from Darren about what happens. So, guys, just send your files in because you never know what's going to happen. Send them in, but make sure that you follow up. Don't do what Darren did. Follow up with them if you can. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Let's move on to the next question here, because this is one one from me, and this is one that I that I noticed when you performed, and also with nearly all of the performers on blinds. In the blind auditions, what went through your mind and your body when you were singing "Fortunate Son" in front of the four judges, and no one was turning, and then Keith Urban turns. Guy Sebastian also turned, but he turned at the end. Can you tell me, did your heart race? Did you feel relief? Did you feel nervous, happy? What happened then? Because I know that if that happened to me, I would maybe nearly even forget my next line. I know that one of the younger contestants as well, too, she kind of had this nervous giggle and sort of giggled a line, but then re and she actually got through and then sort of rejigged herself. What happened there? Tell me the feeling that happened then. Uh... I don't think anything can prepare someone for a blind audition in terms of actually going out on that onto that stage and and seeing those red chairs, the backs of those red chairs. What what there, gave me my sorry yeah. just that as well too. I had another question about that as well too. Were you given some 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 stage or camera practice about what camera to look in, red light on top of the camera, look at this camera, look at this camera. We're going to have this one coming in, look at this camera. Did you have anything like that? Uh, I did have, um, obviously, where my microphone is, is 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 placed correctly on the stage, yep. on the production team. Um, at the front of the stage, there was a place for me to walk and stand afterwards when I talked to the coaches after my performance, whether I turn a chair or not. And that was it. Uh, there are so many cameras flying around when you were up there on stage. Yep. One up the top, couple up the top, sides, down in front, everywhere. So yep. really um, the art of TV is just getting up there and being natural and not really looking at cameras, um, just getting up there performing. They'll do that magic. They'll do the editing. They'll do the camera work. They'll make it, they'll make it look fantastic, you know, so that's their job. So when Keith turned, what was the feeling? What happened? Was it, ah, yes, I'm, I'm in. I've, I've made it. Did your heart race? Did you say, shit, I've got, another, I've got another verse to sing here or chorus, actually. I think you had another chorus. What was that, what was that like? It must have been great. It, it was, a, you know, because we obviously hadn't seen the coaches until we walk in there and see the backs of those chairs and we know who's on the other side of them. Not sure exactly where they are, <laughs> but we know they're there. So that's, that's full on. And when Keith's chair spun around, I had to tell myself, hold your performance. I had to, in my little voice in my head is telling me, Hold your performance, keep going, keep strong, stay focused. 
And there's other little voice in my head over here going, oh my God, that's, that's him. That's Keith Urban. <laughs> Look, it's the real deal. And he's turned. This is insane. This is awesome. This is exactly, <laughs> this is exactly what I did when he turned for you. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And, and that's how I felt inside. I felt exactly like that, but I was in the middle of my performance and I had to stay composed and, uh, and get through it. That's a great point, Darren. Stay composed, keep going, finish your performance, stay stay there. So that's absolutely fantastic. Now, I, I got lots of um, questions regarding this with obviously a lot of people that probably haven't been this deep into the voice, but they were saying, what was the real Keith Urban like uh, and what were the other coaches? Uh, uh, what were the other coaches like? Did you meet the other coaches? Um, and I know that you didn't spend a lot of time with Keith because with a lot of the questions were coming in, it was like you were hanging out with Nicole and Keith at their mansion in 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 Sydney, whatever it was. But it really wasn't like that, was it? No, no. It's it's a very busy and tight schedule, and uh, being a part of the voice is, is as I said, uh, is is. A fantastic experience and it's it's amazing uh, working with the entire machine that it is uh, and everyone is 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 under that same sort of uh, schedule including Keith Urban including all of the coaches so uh, we, we're tied up with with the production team you know really uh, uh, it, I can't really say too much about it because there is so much to say. So if you're lucky enough to get on the voice, then you'll experience it for yourself. But um, but mainly you're saying that you're really with the production team 98% of the time. You're with yeah. Keith when he turns and yeah. you're at Keith at the cup. Because yeah. like a lot of people seen Bella Taylor-Smith in, okay, and it looked like he, Guy Sebastian, Great report, Bella Taylor Smith, and it looked like they had been hanging out together and they were like friends. Um, but it's obviously it's it's not quite like that. Maybe it was a little bit later on because Bella Taylor Smith made it to the finals. Mm, mm, mm. Right. They they do go to the same church. You might have heard Guy Sebastian speak about that. So I think they did have a little bit of friendship there. Maybe maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, but she's lovely. I, I was speaking with Bella backstage and my wife and I, and uh, she's a really lovely person, so easy to speak to as well. So she just has that kind of personality that, you know, it's she's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, in terms of speaking with the coaches, when they all turned after my performance and I had a bit of a chat, now that gets edited down. All of the uh, performance generally We'll be talking for quite some time and there'll be a lot of questions thrown around. There'll be interaction with the audience. There'll be so much. And that gets edited into this tiny little thing that goes on TV. So that was, you know, every single one of those coaches I had a chat with. Um, so, yeah, and pardon me? That's so interesting. Mm, mm. And, and, guys, Sebastian, we talked about Adelaide for quite some time. And uh, it was funny. There was a lot of banter going on. There was a lot of jokes being thrown back and forth between the coaches. And um, it was really fun. And 
they're all really down to earth people at the end of the day who have worked really hard for where they are in their, their careers. And that's, that's it. There's no magical sort of being going to come out of the sky and say, you are a star. Yeah. No, you have to work hard at, at, at that. And, and it's so good to see people of their calibre and just have a chat with them because at the end of the day, they're just people, you know. I think that's a great point as well, too, for the, the, the viewers, particularly the young viewers. Uh, if you want to become successful, you have to work really hard. And uh, what, a lot of, what a lot of people don't understand is that they see all these people and they think that they're nearly overnight successes, but the, the whole thing is you don't see the countless hours of practice and rehearsal and, and songwriting and the preparation and everything that goes behind it to get to that point. And I think there's a saying that I really like to go by is that um, you only see a very small portion of the person up on stage. You don't see the thousands and thousands of hours of touring and playing and traveling and practice that they've put in behind the scenes. I think it's the, the practice that no one sees is what makes people the most successful, the unseen that the people don't know about. So. And, I, 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 and, and in saying that, with everything you just said there, I think that uh, all of that work and the, the reason we do it is because we love it. And being a performer, being a musician, being a singer is, is uh, it has to be because you love it. Yeah, you know it. It can't be for any other other reason. You must enjoy. You do it because you love music and you love singing and you love performing and you love uh, just every. You get a lot out of it, and it's it's in it's here. It's not it's not about being famous or how much money you're making or all, any of those things. It's it, it's got to be about the love, number one. I think that's to do with anything in life. It doesn't matter what it is. Find what your passion is. And if you're passionate about it, you're going to find the practice and everything else that goes along with it easier to do more so than chasing fame or fortune or money. So I think that's a great thing. Find whatever. It doesn't matter whether it's knitting or whether it's, you know, uh, crafting wood products. If you love doing yeah. that, you'll get the, exactly. you'll get the passion out of it, whatever it might be. So Exactly, yeah. Great thing. Okay, now... Um, your number one favourite memory and experience of The Voice, what would you take away? The number one thing off the top of your head. <clears throat> number one favourite experience, being up on that stage and performing my blind performance and having Keith Urban turn. Wow. Uh, how, how can it be anything else? You know, all the work that goes towards getting to that point and being backstage as well, uh, right there, you know, in that little entry point before those doors open. Just had a slight little briefing from the music team, getting me ready. And once again, they're just awesome people, you know, they make you feel, there's a big moment coming, but they have a way of making you feel ready. That's great. Those doors are gonna open. So that, that whole thing, that last moment of like, Little briefing, those doors are going to open. I'm going to walk out there and do my 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 thing, and that was it. What did they say? What can you can you tell us? They, said, yeah. they really just uh, said, "This is your moment. Make the most of it." You know, uh, really in a nutshell, and that's across the board: the performance and having a chat afterwards, and uh, the audience 
you know, everyone, and the TV, you're going to be on TV and everyone's going to get to meet you. So make the most of this, this moment. Wow. Great words. Okay. Now, any tips or hints to singers who want to audition for The Voice, what should they do to give themselves the best chance, Darren? We want your expert opinion about this. Mm -hmm. Best chance, what do they do? Okay. So I think number one is think about a song that you connect with and think about a song that you personally connect with and you feel that you sing well and feel that you can give your own energy to. You really have to show your own character. Don't think, oh, if I do this song, they might, they might, you know, that, that could give me an edge because I reckon that's the song they might be looking for. No. Do the song that you connect with. Do the song that you really feel something special about. You, you, this is what they're looking for. They're not looking for a specific song. That, that, as I said, I just went through the whole process, you know. They're looking for you. They're looking for a personality. They're looking for a character. They're looking for a, a, a certain essence and magic that they feel yeah. they can take all the way. Excellent. So pick out a song that, one, you connect with and that, two, that you sing the best. Mm, that you feel you sing the best. And, you know, that's just one song. There has to be a, a whole bunch of them as well. So you really have to be prepared. It can't be just one song. It needs to be at least at least a, a dozen songs. A dozen. Okay. All right. All right. That's great. That's great advice, Darren. Thank you very much for that. that that's excellent. All right. Now, just one other question. Um, I know that you are Joe Allard in Death Replica. What's it yep. like singing Death Leopard, uh, doing the whole show, the whole thing? Because, look, they are one of the, the big, iconic bands from that era that survived the grunge era and that made it through the grunge era hugely successful being having hits through that particular era. What's it like singing uh, with, with, with Death Replica? Well, Def Leppard, for me, um, I was a big fan when they put an album out in 1981 called High and Dry, and uh, they had a guy called Mutt Lang producing them who, who'd just done, you know, ACDC, Back in Black, that kind of stuff. Darren, Great producer. Darren, sorry. You said 91. I think it's 81. Oh, so 81. <laughs> Let me correct that. Back in 81... I got an album by Def Leppard called High and Dry. I think Slang came out in the 90s, didn't it? 90s. That, it yeah, Slang was in the 90s. Yeah, a long way away from that. <laughs> it's, um, let me let me say, um, guys, that the, the High and Dry album, can you just, did that have Me and My Wine on it? Yeah, Me and My Wine was an actual sort of added on single. It was more like a B-side and it wasn't actually on the first album. I think that the reissue of the album included me and my wine, but yeah. um, it wasn't an official track on the original album. It had Let It Go on it, didn't it? Let It Go, High and Dry. Um, yeah, um, another, hit, another hit and run. And the big single, which was um, uh, Bring It On The Heartbreak. What an album. What an yeah. album. Yeah, insane. And... I loved it. I was like, wow, this is just good rock and roll. And I love this guy's voice, you know. 
Um, and then when, when this, the next album came out, which was uh, Pyromania, um, their sound started changing. They started in, including like keyboards and synths and, and the, it was the 80s sort of era, you know, and I lined up to get that record. I was like, as soon as I hit the shelves, you know, I was a Def Leppard fan by then. And um, so those two albums mainly, High and Dry and, and Pyromania, I was a big fan. And uh, it was a big influence on me. And, and I, it was funny because I, I got in contact with, with uh, Def Replica. They were looking for a singer. And I spoke to Mick Marshall, the bass player. And Great. He, nice guy. He, yeah, well, lovely fellow, yeah. Nice. And, uh, and we, we, uh, we talked about it. And I just I said to him, look, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's it's funny because it's sort of like a bucket list for me. I really like Joe Elliott's voice and I really like the way he combines his different types of voices. You know, you've got the screaming voice. He'll sing soft and breathy. He can also sing strong from the from his mid mid-range voice. And he's got all these voices that he incorporates into his style. And uh, I said to him, you know, it's sort of a bucket list to see if I can actually do that, if I can take that Joe style and be able to perform that as a singer. Um, I thought it was a big challenge because uh, I really like his voice. He's, so he's that's voice, why I said yes, you know. His voice did progress through the albums. Now, let's just, while we're on this, Death Leopard, their, their big, huge breakthrough album was Hysteria. Now, I, I personally love Hysteria. Yes, I love the High and Dry album. I love Hysteria. When I put it on, I just went, this production of this album is yeah. next level. It was one of those things as well too, not just the musical production, but the actual sound production. I remember turning it up quite loud and the album didn't break up, even though there were so many compartments to the album, mm. I could turn the album up loud. It was one of the first albums and the black album by Metallica that, yeah. I, that I could turn to nine and it wouldn't separate, wouldn't... <laughs> Yeah, um, but I was blown away by the whole album. I just went, "Wow!" And it took me a couple of days to process it. And I just think, "This is great." Just the production yeah. songs that he's. It was so good to see them come back with the drummer. You know, lost his arm as well. He had to relearn. You know, everything. It was just they they'd been through so much. Different leopard, and they managed to hold hold their ground and and, and continue. And uh, you know, you got to hats off for that kind of thing as well. So. Yeah, amazing, yeah. mate. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. It really has. You've had, you've given us, I think, the listeners a lot of insight into the industry. You've got thirty-three years of of professional um, music uh, entertainment advice that you've laid upon us here in, in in an hour. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to any? nuggets, words of wisdom that you want to leave the, the, the viewers with here before we, we sign off here, Darren? Words of wisdom. Uh, words of wisdom. Be true to yourself and uh, follow your passion. Beautiful. And uh, just just work hard at what you, what you love. Excellent. I think the rewards will come. They're absolutely fantastic words, Darren. It's, 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 I think that everyone that's not just the music industry, anything. Find anything, your exactly. 
yourself and then follow it. So it's absolutely fantastic. Mate, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. I know that you're you're busy. You've got a lot of things on. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And guys, check out Darren's original work. You can check him out on Instagram, also on his Facebook as well too. Go and check him out. He's got lots of great tracks on YouTube as well too. Um, he has got some tracks from a band that I, that I was checking out called uh, Format Selection. Check them out. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Really good rock songs. Thanks, everyone, for watching. We do appreciate it. Um, if you like this YouTube channel, please click like and subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. If you have any comments or questions, please put them in the comments below. It's really great with the community we're developing all around the world. Please keep it polite. Um, and yeah, if we could help you or someone that you know, uh, Vox Singing Academy, if we could help you or someone that you know with their singing, we'd be absolutely on it. We have six studios here in Melbourne. We give online singing lessons seven days a week. We also have the ultimate online singing course if you uh, don't want face-to-face -face singing lessons. Um, so please check out the links below for more info. But the most important thing is please live every day with passion because it may be your last. Be good to each other. And most importantly, enjoy your singing and your music. Until the next video, please be good to each other and much love. Signing out for now. Bye-bye. Thanks. Cheers.